0: do apologize for the lateness of the episode i just uh body felt like it was shutting down a little bit i need i needed sleep so i actually slept and then got up and went to the daughter's graduation and then came home and took a nap so nine hours and about uh three episodes of the office worth of a nap okay it was a half nap i was resting i'm not gonna not watch it get out of my face beach day is such a good episode man andy floating away and whatnot as many times as I have seen that show all the way through, I think the part where Andy Bernard is floating away is still the one part of that show that just has me, like, in tears. It might be the own, the, the last remaining part in that show that just has me cracking up, and I don't really know why. Look at what I'm doing and go tell somebody it! <laughs> even that, even that got me. I had to take a minute to gather myself. Anyways, today we've got a few more um, questions and comments that I want to get to. Some things that just cropped up in the Facebook group and whatnot. So I want to explore a few things. First of all, as always, thank you guys so much for all the support. If you have a desire to help out in any way, there is a Patreon channel, which is a monthly thing. You can get in for as little as a buck a month. For $5 a month, you get access to all the little sheets that I've been uploading, greatest GMs and all that kind of stuff. I don't really know what my next project is going to be. I haven't really thought about it, but I'll think of one. And then $20, uh, the $20 tier, you get yourself a, uh, you get to pick a t-shirt. Some people aren't in on the per month thing. If you'd rather just do a one-time deal, I got PayPal and Venmo there. If you'd like to help yourself out, get you a sweet t-shirt, man. we got a link to uh, the merchandise. And once again, if you, if you would like any kind of customization, you can just hit me up directly or get in the Facebook group. I know that post for the shirts is kind of buried, so maybe it's hard to find. If you want to just hit me up, that's fine. But be sure to get in the Facebook group. Check out NFLBigBoard.com. Call or text with any questions or comments, 608 501 And finally, if you want to get yourself a PFF subscription, there's two ways you can do it. Number one get you a PFF subscription on your very own by using the link in the description. Number two, let's get these iTunes reviews rolling. We only need 27 more, and I will be giving away a PFF subscription. So leave a review, five-star review, thank you very much. Send me a, uh, a screenshot, any which way you can think to do it, and I'll add you in and get you a uh, PFF subscription. Not saying everybody's going to get one, but one of you will. And, uh, you know, there's no shame in gambling when you're not paying anything. Anyways, we'll take a little break, and we'll start uh, rooting through some stuff. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. So first off, I want to start with uh, Sam on Twitter. He reached out and said, what realistically do you think Rashawn will become? The honest answer is, I don't have a clue, man. You know I'm trying to be optimistic this time of year. I'm also trying to save up a lot of optimistic points because I tend to be a little p- pessimistic during the season. At least when things aren't going well, I get, I get get a little riled up sometimes. I'm trying to I'm trying to calm myself, but I thought I'd poke around a little bit and see what I can come up with. And um, I I really don't think there's going to be a perfect comp for uh, for Rashan Gary, but I found something that I thought was a little bit interesting. The one thing I tried to not do was look at because I know there's a couple names out there. I saw um, Andy Herman, I think it was. He was on Twitter and he put up a couple comps and he had. I don't remember, but they were 4-3 guy. Probably the best comps because Rashawn Gary kind of fits that mold, but I just, if the question is what is he going to become, what can he be, I don't really want to look at him from that same lens, right? Different guys in different positions asked to do slightly different things. I mean, obviously, go get the passer and all that, but I wanted to look at something a little more one-to-one. The one thing that kind of stood out, and actually if you go to mock draftable, it's the number one comparison, was Bradley Chubb. Now I thought it was kinda of interesting because I never really saw it that way. I really, really liked Bradley Chubb. I didn't really, really like Rashawn Gary. Bradley Chubb was my guy last year. And it did he Bradley Chubb was very similar to uh to Brian Burns in a way because he was somebody that was talked about, believe it or not, as like a late first round guy. And I watched him and thought, why is he so late? And then he kind of flew up the board. But anyway, six foot four, two hundred and sixty nine pounds, and he's playing for the Denver Broncos. So he plays as an outside linebacker despite being drafted as a defensive end. The cool thing about this is that despite Bradley Chubb being seen as like a top five guy, which, you know, whatever, he's a dominant football player. Fact is, Rashawn Gary is bigger and a lot more athletic. <laughs> the only thing Bradley Chubb had on him was one inch on the broad jump, but he was faster in the 40, had more reps on the bench, uh, higher vert, uh, quicker three cone, quicker th- uh, short shuttle. And we're talking the same height but, uh, you know, close to 10 pounds heavier. So I didn't mind that. I, I was kind of thinking maybe I'll go with that comp, but I just, something about the play style didn't really work for me. But I, I, I think that's decent. But the the thing that kind of got me excited is I kept looking at, you know, comparisons based on size and all that kind of stuff, and it kind of led me down a path to J.J. Watt. Now, I'm not going to stick on J.J. Watt, but, I, again, I'm just, I'm leading down a path. I'm taking you on this journey that I went on. So I looked at J.J. J.J.'s a bigger dude right? As as big as Rashawn Gary is, Gary's 6'4", 277. Watt is 6'5", 290 pounds. As far as athleticism, Rashawn Gary is faster, but J.J. Watt is uh, more explosive and also dominated the three-cone and and 20-yard shuttle times. So at that size, being more agile than Rashawn Gary is freakish. So I I didn't really hate it, but I kind of wanted to explore that because he's sort of a inside guy with edge rush kind of potential, right? J.J. Watt is the guy that that lines up on the edge when they're down in their dime package, and he lines up on the inside as a defensive end when they're in their 3-4 defense, which some people think is going to be Rashawn Gary's gig. I don't really think it's going to be. I think that's going to be Zadarius' gig. I think Rashawn Gary's going to be an outside linebacker that flexes into defensive end when the Packers are in their dime set. Interestingly enough, there's somebody on the Texans' defense that does the same thing, and his name is Jadavian Clowney. The reason I found that's cool, and I, I'm, I understand I'm getting away from Sam's question, and I apologize, and it's, it's not going to be a head-on answer because I don't have one. So again, that was just sort of an intro into a thing that I want to talk about. So thanks, Sam, for setting me up. But the thing I thought was cool is when you look at the Texans' defense, I kind of feel like that's the model for the Packers' defense. I think what we have up front right now is when they have Clowney and Merciless as outside linebackers and J.J. Watt on the inside, I think instead of Clowney we have Rashawn Gary. Instead of Merciless, we have Preston Smith. And instead of J.J. Watt, we have Zedaria Smith. It's funny because there's actually more comps beyond that. But you look at their dime package, and again, then they go with their four-man front, and Clowney comes down as a down defensive end, which is what Rashawn Gary would do. Watt goes from an interior defensive end to an exterior uh, defensive end in a 4-3 system. And the two of them rush the passer from the outside. The big difference here is that they have Whitney Merciless flexing to the inside, which the Packers could do, by the way, which is hilarious. They have their outside linebacker coming inside. The Packers can do the exact same thing. It's just a matter of which one, and it could be any of them. And I'm sure the Texans do that too. So they have outside linebackers in their 4-3 that come in on the interior while you have your two other guys, you know, your defensive end and your outside linebacker playing as down defensive ends. So the, the Packers can have a situation, and they're not going to do this very often because of how good their defensive linemen are, but this is what the whole thing about having pieces that you can rotate means. So in other words, if, if we're talking about 3rd and 2 compared to 3rd and 5 compared to 3rd and 15, 3rd right, and 2 you get your big boys in there. You know, Maybe uh, Gary and uh, Zedarius, and I don't even, you know, Kenny Clark shouldn't ever come off the field, but then that might be a situation where we bring in somebody else that's a little bit bigger to go next to him. Third and five, same guys more or less, but you want Mike Daniels probably in there as well. Third and 15, that's where you can see a guy like Rashawn Gary or Zadarius on the inside with the two outside linebackers also on the outside. But again, regardless of how they end up doing this, it's just going to be a never-ending rotation. And it, it sounds horrible because it's like, no, we can't take Mike Daniels off. But the fact of the matter is we're going to be doing this anyways, rotating pieces just think about the fact that somebody else comes in and it's not a matter of, oh, not that guy. It's just always, yeah, look who's on the field. It's that guy that's awesome. Like when our worst defense is Preston and Zadarius with Kenny Clark, Kiki, and I don't know, Montrevious Adams. Like that's basically our worst front. Or <laughs> But it, it the, the exciting thing about this is as much as I don't expect um, – have players quite as good as j.j watt or Clowney, i could absolutely see the packers having a better defense than the texans and the texans have a very good defense the fact of the matter is our defensive line is better i think our cornerbacks overall are better even though jonathan joseph is a good corner i think we've got a good corner also i think their two safeties are pretty solid i think our safeties could be better the the packers defense isn't perfect but i don't know of any defenses that are and when you look at some of the other defenses i i think the packers can and that you know again there's there's a lot of question marks about how good is uh, how good is Amos gonna be? How good is Savage gonna be? How good is, is Gary gonna be? Is is Jackson gonna take you know Jackson King, Tramon Alexander, Oren Burks? There's a lot of questions, but I'm 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 on Pro Football Focus and I just see nothing but green for this team. And the only guys that I don't see right now that are that are green are Tramon Williams, who I know is good. I mean I you know if if we're in a situation where Tramon Williams is the biggest liability on this team, I love this defense. Uh, Josh Jackson and Kevin King. And Kevin King is the only one with a below 60 grade, and it was 59.7. That's not even bad. You know, Oren Burks was terrible, but I I think Oren Burks can going to have a great year this year. I didn't say he's going to, If he, kind of slurred that a little bit. I think he could have. I mean, we, we were all excited about him in the preseason. I didn't really get it at first, but I watched him play, and, you know, despite not being quite as good as... I wasn't as hyped as everybody else, right? I remember him trailing people, and you saw the speed, and it's like, oh man, look how close he was. And it's like, yeah, it'd be cool if he, like... You know, it was actually next to him so we could break up the pass as opposed to just tackling everybody after the fact. But the speed is there, you know, getting behind the, you know, penetration, getting tackles for a loss. But it, again, it's, it's not about having zero holes. I'm looking at a defense that's pretty good. You know, compare it to the Bears' defense. Again, who, who has a better front? Well, they have a better pass rusher. You could maybe argue they have a better front. But I'll take Kenny Clark over to Akeem Hicks, and especially if we're talking about pass rushers, and I've, I've been over this a thousand times. Khalil Mack is the best pass rusher of anybody on the two teams. After Khalil Mack, you've got about five Packers before you get to the next best pass rusher along the Bears uh, front. They maybe have better linebackers, assuming Roquan Smith can not be you know, as bad as he was last year. Everybody's talking him up like he's the greatest thing that's ever happened. He didn't have a good year last year. I mean, in a snapshot, or is their defense better? Yeah, it probably is. But if they're one of the best defenses we've seen in the last five years, and I'm looking at it going, it's it's okay, it's it's better than the Packers. But how much better? Nah, I don't know. That speaks volumes. You know, I mean, look at the Jaguars. Jaguars have a real good defense. They don't have great safeties. Their, their linebackers are okay. I mean, Miles Jack is good. Ramsey and Boye weren't as good last year as they have been in the past, but they've got a good trio there. I mean, it's a dominant defense. Are the Packers going to be better than the Jaguars? I don't know. Maybe not. Probably not. But could they be? Yeah. And again, it comes back to pass rushing. You look at a bunch of real scary guys. You know, Calais Campbell was the number one ranked edge rusher by PFF, but look at his score. His run defense grade was 93.8. His pass rush grade was a 70.4. It's not even that good. Yannick Ngakwe was higher. Laurenti McCray was higher. And by the way, Zadarius Smith was way higher, as was Kenny Clark, as was Mike Daniels. The best pass rusher and the best pass rush grade they have in this entire defensive front, which is the envy of the league, is Yannick Ngakwe, and his pass rush grade was 76.8. We've got three guys across our front that have a higher grade than that. Look how good the Colts' defense was toward the end of the year. Obviously, everybody knows about uh, Anthony or Darius Leonard, right? Solid linebacker. Cool. Who's the other linebacker? He's a nobody. That's why you don't know his name. They've got one good safety. they got another guy that's okay. They've got some decent corners. They added Rocky Sin. But what else? I mean, looking at last year when they were solid, they didn't have Justin Houston. What do they have? Who do they have rushing the passer? I'm just going down the list trying to find guys or teams that are going to have a better defense than the Packers. And I'm not making any definitive statements either. I'm just simply looking at it from the standpoint of a guy who's going, maybe I'm just trying to talk myself into it. I don't know. But I think sometimes we nitpick a little bit and it's like, yeah, well, we don't have this and we didn't satisfy this and I don't know about this. Na- name one. Give me the team that has just the perfect defense. I think at this point, we've got the pieces. It's about our defensive coordinator putting it together. It's about the coaches putting it together. It's about the players laying it all on the field. It's about discipline. It's about execution. We don't need anything. Kevin King was, was the first pick in the second round. Josh Jackson is a second-round pick. Jair Alexander is a first-round pick. Adrian Amos was a great safety for the Bears. Darnell Savage is a first-round pick, and for a reason. Preston and Zedarius have proven their worth, and they're on this team now. If they can just continue what they're doing, we're going to have great pass rushers. Kenny Clark is one of the better interior guys in the NFL. Mike Daniels has proven even last year that he can still get after the quarterback. We, we don't need anything. We just need guys to step up and perform. So, I don't know. Again, it was several layers of just... That's where I ended up anyway, so I'm taking you down my ADD pathway. Starting with what is his comp? Maybe you could say Jadavian Clowney. I don't really care for that so much, but it, it's hard to find a Rashawn Gary comp. I just don't see it. I think there are some of those guys that uh, Herman put on Twitter that are, just, you know, as far as their style, I can definitely see it. When you watch it, it's like, man, that, that I feel like I'm watching Rashawn Gary. And it's exciting because he they, they get the job done. And, I, you know, again, I didn't really care for it only because it didn't really fit what I could see him doing, which is why I settled on Clowney, because I think Clowney is a similar type of player, but also is going to have a similar kind of role. And again, I think if you're looking for a model of what the Packers are going to be doing, I think it's going to be similar to what the Houston Texans are doing. Again, they got outside linebackers playing inside, while well, you got their inside guy Watt playing on the outside. They move those pieces around everywhere. And again, I think Clowney is going to be Rashawn Gary. I think Zedarius is going to play the J.J. Watt role, and I think Preston Smith is going to be the Whitney Merciless. And I can't wait to see it. I'm, I'm beyond excited to watch this, and and gotta gotta to, got to get my uh, I gotta make sure I know all the numbers because it's going to be fun trying to see who is who and who's where. Because you just, you, you never know. There's going to be so many guys that are getting rotated all the time. I mean, just, just this defensive line. And I, I mentioned it before last year when it was like, you know, there were times when Kenny and, and Mike Daniels are coming off because they're tired or whatever the case is. And it's like, ah oh, no, critical third down and they're not on the field. But Kenny and, and Dean Lowry is solid. You know, Kingsley Kiki, Rashawn Gary, you know, even James Looney and, and Tyler Lancaster, Montravius Adams. None of these guys are bad football players. With guys like Montrevious continuing to go up, with Tyler Lancaster just starting last year and being, again, one of the better defensive linemen we had. Nothing but, but green grass in front of that guy. James Looney, same thing. One-year guy. He can continue to grow on that. Just just the thought of having this continually fresh, just dominant defensive, and, and not just dominant. in like Again, there's a lot of defenses that have guys that have good PFF grades, but what is it they actually do? I'm talking about pass rushers, man. Kenny Clark is a pass rusher. Mike Daniels is a pass rusher. Not not exclusively. Well, maybe Mike is. Kenny's awesome against the run. But these guys can get after it. Kingsley Kiki can get after it. Rashawn Gary can get after it. Sidarius and Preston can get after it. And, and, and like I've also mentioned, the, the, none, nobody with the exception maybe of Rashawn Gary will see and, and, you know, a couple good defensive line, but, but nobody's like super elite Khalil Mack. But I, I again, I don't care. I don't want the Bears front. I don't want one guy that's really good at rushing the passer and a bunch of other guys that are pretty good at stuff, except, you know, rushing the passer. Give me eight guys that can go get the passer at any one time and from multiple positions on that defensive line. I'll take that. We're going to move on, but I, I, I don't think there's any reason to be ashamed with the notion that we could potentially be a top five defense. I think we can say that. Not with certainty, but but again, it's not about necessarily that I believe it. It's about I I can see it, just go do it. In other words, if we're not a top five defense, explain to me why. Somebody's got to answer that question for me because I don't see why they're not. So I don't know what they're going to be, but if they're a below average defense, this this is unacceptable because this is a great group of football players. And again, on paper, I'll put them up against just about any defense in the NFL. So Jadavian Clowney is my answer. (laughs) I don't know, man. He is what he is. He's Rashawn Gary. That's it. Hopefully that's a good thing. Take a break, and we'll uh, come up with something else to talk about. Next, we had a question from Rick Drake in the Facebook group. He had a question about kick and punt returns, saying, essentially, if Trevor Davis doesn't make the team, who's going to be returning the kicks? He said, do you think Dexter Williams is going to be returning kicks? Cobb's gone. Tremont's too old. Jire's too, exa- uh, too valuable. So who's going to be doing the deed? So I turned to my old buddies over here at uh, PFF, as far as punt returns go, Trevor Davis, Davis obviously is the top guy, and again, we have to assume he's not going to make the team, not because he's not going to make the team, but because that's the uh, criteria that I was given. Next up would be Randall Cobb in terms of his value, and he's gone. The next beyond that, and he only returned one, and I i don't really see this as being the thing, but it's—it it is interesting to note that he did return one punt, and I don't remember it at all, but apparently Kevin King did return a punt. Uh, maybe the only reason that he only did one is because his one punt was muffed, so that didn't work out all too well. After that was Jair Alexander. He returned four punts. Those four punts went for 25 yards, 6.3 average. 24 yards was his longest, which is actually the longest punt return um, of any punt return on the season, but he did have two muffed punts, which is not good when you only returned four total, so four returned one fair catch and two muffs is uh not a good you know not a good average after that is Tremont who we're gonna say is too old the other guy that uh, didn't do very much and had a terrible grade but is somebody else that we have to consider is Josh Jackson Josh Jackson had two returns one fair catch all of which for zero yards that's so not a good group not super super exciting now I agree Jair is a little bit too uh too valuable with that said I do think that is our best option. I think punt and kick return is becoming basically useless because nobody wants to allow other teams to, um, especially kick return, it's just going to go out the back of the end zone 95% of the time. And to be honest, I'm more worried about wide receivers catching a pass across the middle than I am about a kick or a punt returner, you know, running 10 yards and then getting tackled or whatever. Maybe my memory just doesn't work too well, but that's not where I see a lot of injuries coming from. There's some big hits. There's no question there's some big hits, but I, I, I don't know. I think it'll be all right. If we didn't want to go that route, I think Darnell Savage has to be considered, even though he's probably as valuable at this particular point in time, drafted about as high. But you, you think about that speed that he has, and it's it's scary. So it's it's possible that he could get a look there. Um, Kadar Holman, I think he's only taken one punt return, and I think that was back in 2016. But if you're looking for a guy that maybe could do it, that we're, we're not thinking about, that, uh, you know, I don't want to say expendable, but, you know, is what it is, I guess, he's, there's an option. It's also a way for him to make the roster, right? If he can prove his worth on special teams, there you go. Um, as far as Dexter Williams, I think maybe kick return, but punt return, I'm looking for more like shifty. And I don't know if Kadar is, I honestly don't even know if uh, Savage is, has, you know, that kind of sideline or you know sideways agility, you know, catch it and jump to the side, you know, that kind of stuff. Kick return is more straight line. So I don't know. I, you know, my preference, as much as it terrifies me, Uh, would be for Jair to be the punt return guy. You know, you you look at the benefit of field position. uh, I think we got to take that seriously. And to just allocate somebody that we don't care about to sit there and catch it, then just, you know what, then just have the guy with the best hands go back there and call a fair catch no matter what. If that's what we're gonna do, and it doesn't matter, do that. If it does matter, and we're actually gonna to try to make big plays, and I, it doesn't have to be just a touchdown. I mean, if we're talking about plays that go from the 30 to infield position, or you know, in their territory beyond the 50 yard line, if that matters, if you know points and things like that matter, let's get a guy that can do it. And Jair is really, really, really good at that. So you know, I, I might eat my words if they put him there and he ends up getting hurt. But I, you know, just just man up. I I, I don't know. I don't know what I'm, I'm tired of playing scared all the time. I'm tired of the bend don't break. I'm tired of the being called a finesse team, a soft team. Dude, we got we got good football players. Again, great football players. Go execute. You can't execute if it's like, no, I don't want want him to get hurt though. Go play. You, I mean you can't you can't protect everybody. Guys are gonna get hurt. All right. What what's the first thing we heard about camp already? Well, Rashawn's in a shoulder cast and you know, Jace is sick. He didn't practice and it's like that already. It's it's all minor and none of these have to do with actual contact injuries, but already, like the, the only news coming out of these camps is guys not playing, guys are hurt. You know, Kevin King, oh he's he's recovering from his shoulder surgery. Oh, okay. And that's all we're gonna hear all through. I mean, if 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 Jair can just make it through preseason without getting hurt, that'd be awesome. I mean if we could just get him week one. Who knows how long we're gonna get guys? Just just but the bottom line, just play him. Rashawn Gary might be hurt this year. Anybody could get hurt. Kenny Clark could snap his face you know third week of preseason I don't know we, we're not gonna sit him on the bench because maybe go put him out there I don't know that's just kind of my thought and, and again if it's an unnecessary risk and we don't actually care about it yeah don't take unnecessary risks I'm just saying I think it actually matters and I, I want us to start caring about special teams more than I think we do anyways uh, also want to look at kick return um, Bashad Breeland was the highest graded guy he's gone Number two on that list, though, was Mr. Marquez Valdez-Scantling. I I do tend to get a little bit excited. You look at guys like Jaymon, you look at guys like Marquez, you look at guys like uh, Equinemius, who I don't believe did anything on special teams last year. But you look at the blazing speed of Marquez, and and you don't really ask that, again, that uh, agility, elusiveness kind of stuff. And he only returned one, but apparently he made an impression. But I think he could be a guy that stands out. Now, again, if he's the number two wide receiver on the team and he really breaks out, do you want to take the risk? Which, how much of a risk is it when they're almost all fair catches? But look, I, I, I wouldn't mind trying to, to do something. Again, if you just want to put, um, I don't know, somebody that's sure-handed out there, go put Devontae out there. Just, just have him, if it's short of the goal line, just have him catch it and, and fair catch it. I don't know. Run somewhere and take a knee before they touch you. But let, let's get a little crazy and actually try to get a bunch of yard. I, I think every catch that's in the end zone should probably just be a fair catch because it's, you know, you get it at the 25, don't risk it, don't mess around, we're going to fumble and all that kind of stuff. But if they're going to kick it to you on the one, I want Marquez. Go see what the guy can do. Um, hilariously, Antonio Morrison was actually our next best outside of Trevor Davis, who we're saying is not going to be the guy. I'm guessing that was on like a uh, onside kick or something, but the fact that he has a higher grade than <laughs> These guys is hilarious. Lucas Patrick also, by the way, has two. So definitely some kind of weird onside kick thing going on or something. Uh, Jamal Williams has done several. Ty Montgomery was a big one. He had 10, but he's gone. And then Jamon was another guy. He had the lowest grade of anybody. Not as bad as Tremont and Josh Jackson on punt returns, but uh, not good as a kick returner. So I think there's options. I just don't know if there's any good options with the exception of Jair. And it's just a matter of do we want to do we want to really try to push it? If we do, I say we put Jair as our punt returner, put Marquez as our kick returner. I don't hate that. Unless unless Savage is, is you know, got some moves or whatever, we could try it. But if we don't care, I don't know, Jaymon. Jamon's fine. He'll work out. So yeah, I do, I do think that's kind of an interesting look. I don't really spend a lot of time talking about special teams. So as I'm here lecturing about how we need to start paying more attention to it, notice how I've never talked about it on this podcast pretty much ever. But I do think it's important. I mean, how many times have you seen the Packers, you know, claw and scratch to try to get extra yard? If we got a guy on this team, like Trevor, by the way, as much as everybody wants him out the door badly, and I don't necessarily hate that idea, having a guy like that that's able to grab the ball and just right out of the gate before your offense even gets on the field can get you about three first downs. It's not a bad thing. I mean, the, the more often we can start at the 50 or closer, the better. Anyways, we'll take uh, one more break and uh, come right back. So the next uh, comment comes from Sean Luke in the Facebook group and I've seen this elsewhere on Twitter at least this sort of breakdown but I'm actually going to run through this somewhat in its entirety so it might take a little bit but essentially he's trying to all right I'll just read it I was thinking about the wide receiver depth and the angst the fans have Um, for a while I had wide receiver wide receiver fever too that's tricky I was thinking that position was pretty unknown, and it was lacking some real top-round talent. But then I thought, wait, why am I buying into the narrative? Take a look at these stats for Packers' rookies' first years. Devontae Adams, 38 receptions, 446 yards, 3 touchdowns, 11.7 yards per reception. Randall Cobb, 25 receptions, 375 and a touchdown. Jordy, 33 receptions, 366, 2 touchdowns. Jennings, 45 receptions, 632 yards, 3 touchdowns. James Jones, 47 receptions, 676, 2 touchdowns. Donald Driver's first three years combined, 37 receptions, 520 yards, three touchdowns. Now at MVS and ESB, uh, Marquez had 38 receptions, 581 yards, two touchdowns. Equinemius, 21 receptions, 328 yards, zero touchdowns. Outside of Greg Jennings and James Jones, who both had the best rookie years of any uh, of any wide receiver, Ted Thompson drafted, or Ron Wolf for that matter. MVS surpasses all those guys and their stats, and he likely would have had much better stats if Rodgers wasn't playing on a knee contusion all season so a couple different things first of all i get it to a point i i I understand it from the standpoint of you can't judge it based on its first year and here's some examples of people who did not have elite rookie years that went on to have good careers however that's kind of where it ends for me first of all there's different circumstances right donald driver was what a seventh round pick so it probably took him a while just to climb up to where he was You look at Randall Cobb and Jordy Nelson, they were down the depth chart. They were basically, what, number uh, four and five on the depth chart? So their rookie year, they didn't really see the ball very much. Uh, Devontae Adams was, you know, bad for three years. So 38 receptions, 446 yards. And by the way, that's more than equanimous. And then the only other guys on the list are the ones that had better years. Beyond that, looking at situations, which I kind of talked about with Jordy being buried on the depth chart, but this is a year in which it was Devontae and nobody. We didn't have anybody else. Geronimo would have been the only guy higher, and he was injured all year, and we didn't have any tight ends to contribute. So it was sort of these guys by default, because our wide receiver group was kind of trash. And again, I'm not saying that to be negative. I'm just saying I can't look at it as being similar beyond the point of just looking at it going, I don't know. So I would say that it's correct to look at that from the standpoint of you can't look at that and say they're bad, and I'll buy that, but you also can't look at it and say they're going to be good, which I know he's not trying to do, I'm just I'm just saying. I think the bottom line for me, and it, it's true for a lot of guys, the wide receivers, the corners, Oren Burks, Rashawn Gary, there's, there's a lot of guys you look at and say, I can see the upside, but I also see this big giant barrier in front of you, and it's just a matter of whether you're going to hop over it or not. If you do, you'll be a good, productive player. If you don't, you won't. So Marquez and, and Equinemius, I think, had limitations, you know, whether it was the mental side or what, whatever, right? Josh Jones. I think Josh Jones, you see all the the upside and the athleticism and the violence that he plays with, and it gets you excited, but it's just, he can't get it figured out. Now, maybe he will in year three. I don't know. I'm willing to hold out hope. It's It's been you know one year where it didn't really work in his rookie year and then there was a change of coordinator who didn't really want to put him on the field the whole team was dysfunctional all right well, let's give him another year see what happens oren burks didn't really pan out but you can see all the upside you can see all the athleticism it didn't really pan out but you know maybe marquez has got a ton of speed i, I think equanimous maybe has me excited maybe more than anybody as much as marquez has that kind of speed that you want and i think he can be a real game breaker i think equanimous has that just as far as being every down reliable Right? I, I like him short yardage, intermediate yardage, deep yardage. I think he can do it all. I think I, I like him as much, maybe more in the slot as as much as outside. I think he's, he may have a great home as a slot guy. And I also, by the way, I want to take this even a step further. So in other words, take Sean Luke's side and take it a step further. I don't want to forget about Jamon. Jamon was the first guy taken and for a reason. The Packers knew how big and fast MVS was. They knew how big Equinemius was and fast he was. They took JMON first, and for good reason. And, and listen, as far as route running, I, I think Jaymon's upside, I don't want to say it's Devonte, but it's that kind of a player. right? He doesn't have elite game-breaking speed, but his route running, his ability to separate, which is one of the most important things if, as far as being a wide receiver, it doesn't matter how you do it, whether it's straight line speed, agility, quickness, route running, which there's some overlap between those. Get open. A lot of it is cerebral right? Just understanding things, understanding what defense you're going up against, understanding the assignment, right? Okay, so they're in zone defense, they're playing cover three, they're doing this, that, or the other. This guy's doing this, therefore, if, if I step here, his assignment is to do this. I mean, it's there's so many pieces moving in your brain. When you understand what the defense is doing and, and the, the concept that your offense is running, you should be able to know, if I go here, nobody's going to be there because this guy has to go cover that guy. This guy has to move up because of that guy. If I go right there, I should be open. There's a lot to this. There's a lot to being a good wide receiver, and it goes beyond being really tall and really fast, as we all know. And again, it just comes down to, are they going to get over that hump? Is MVS going to be able to translate? We've, we, we've seen all the awesomeness, but if, if he can take it to the next level, and I think that's what it is for almost all three of these guys with Jmon, he's also got to get some better hands. But with all three of these guys, if they can just get the mental part of it, if they can be on the same page as Aaron Rodgers, if they can get themselves open, if they can separate and, and, and get open in zone coverage, if they can separate, you know, with j with his solid route running in man coverage and use that physicality, if ESB and MVS can just dominate people across the middle or wherever they're going in man because they're just faster, I mean, it, it, yeah, the the sky is the absolute limit for this group. And let's not forget, we, we already have one of the best wide receivers in the NFL tied to one of the better uh quarterbacks in the NFL so we don't need elite play from these other guys we just need good play and good play on this offense is going to go far good play with this offensive line with that wide receiver with this running back that we have if we get two of those three guys to step up and be good wide receivers it's they're yeah dominant but again I'm I'm and I'm not trying to put words in his mouth and, and make a case that he's not I'm I'm just coming to the point where I can be comfortable with the fact that their production wasn't as nice as you'd like it to be. And and look, MVS's 38 receptions, 581 yards, and 2 touchdowns, 15.3 yards per reception isn't bad. For any rookie, that's not bad. You look at Calvin Ridley last year. He was a first-round guy in a high-octane uh, high offense. 64 receptions, 821 yards, and 10 touchdowns. And if you remember, he had like 2 or 3 games where he just like tore it up. Uh, week 3, 8 targets, 7 receptions, 146 yards, and 3 touchdowns. I guess it was just kind of the one, but crazy. Otherwise, it was, you know, the next week after that, four receptions, 54 yards, four receptions, 38 yards, three receptions, 47 yards, five receptions, 43 yards. They're rookies. They're rookies, and they're coming into these systems that are all, you know, whatever. So I'm 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 kind of coming into this with a very clean slate, and that's true about a lot of people. It, it, there, there aren't too many people I feel like I know what they, they're bringing me. I think Kenny Clark, I feel confident we're, we know what we're getting. Um, who else? I, I don't know who. Else. David Bakhtiari, maybe Corey Lindsley, although I think he had a, a bit of a down year two years ago, so there's a little hesitation. Mike Daniels, he still gets after the passer, but there seems to be a little something, so I don't really know. We got a whole new bunch of safeties. Our corners are all young, so it's a question of where they're going to go. Maybe you could say Blake Martinez you feel kind of confident in. Aaron Rodgers, I want to say I'm confident, but you just never know, right? If he's not having a good year, it's going to be real bad. It could be real good. Maybe Aaron Jones I feel confident in, but th- there's not too many people where I feel like I know what I'm going to get from them this year. It's, it's wide open. And that's not usually, that, that, that's unusual, I think, for, for Packer fans in general, right? Be- largely because, first of all, a lot of our top players are so young, but secondarily, well, okay, secondarily, free agents, right? Our, our two biggest, three biggest pass rushers are all brand new. We got a draft pick and, and two free agents got a brand spanking new safety, and guys that are actually going to play at a high level. Not like Ted Thompson bringing in replacement level guys, you know, second string, you know, Quentin Dial type guys. But then beyond that, we've got a new head coach. We have a second year defensive coordinator. We've got all new, you know, coaching staff under undergirding all of this, with the exception of a couple. Right, new special teams, new philosophy, new attitude, new energy, new thought process. The new GM with a new everything is new. It's exciting and it's also scary. And I I think you get so used to the the comfort. You know, things are kind of a certain way for a long time, but you know, it just feels like it's slowly eroding. And hey, hopefully we can bring this thing back up. But I don't know what we're getting out of any of these guys. Could our wide receivers be terrible? Yep. Could they be awesome? Yep. Does that depend on how good or bad Rodgers is? Yep. What impact does the offensive line and run game have on this? Yep. <laughs> do you think Lafleur coming in could, could get these guys open a little bit more? Yep. Do you think maybe Lafleur could have a bad year, similar to what the Titans had when he went over there? Yes, I do. Could Mike Pettin have a, a really good impact in, in his second year installing this now that, that Kunst has given him more of his guys? Yes, I do. Do you think it's possible that the, the lack of defensive quality could be Carry on from last year into this year? Yes. Do you think the locker room could be better? Yes. Could it be worse or the same as before? Yes. Is Oren Burks gonna get better? I don't know. Could he? Yeah. Could he still be terrible? Yep. I, I got I I don't have answers. I'm supposed to, but I don't. And that's okay. That's it's kind of what's exciting about it. That's why I can say things like we might have a top 10 defense, we might have a top 10 offense. We might have a top 5 defense, we might have a top 5 offense. I can say that because things are so crazy. I'm not coming into this after like the 2014 season or whatever when our, our defense is historically garbage, has always been garbage. We're not adding anybody. It's like, oh, we're going to go from 29th to top 5. I'm not doing that. The reason I can say that is because... I'm not looking at the same defense we've had with, with a couple replacements. Typically, the way this works is you have the same players you've always had, the same coaches, the same philosophy, the same everything, same defensive coordinator, but we added one free agent that's maybe going to help and then a, you know five defensive draft picks, three of which were high picks. So you kind of know what you're getting, and you really hope one of them could be high impact and kind of boost you from 29th to, I don't know, 26th? I, whatever. But again, brand spanking new safety group. Very young cornerback group. We've got one mainstay at linebacker. we got Oren Burks, and we've got, I don't know, a bunch of safeties that are going to rotate in and out. Two new outside linebackers and a, a, a first-round draft pick. A bunch of new guards that are going to be... We, we might have two brand new guards to start the season. Young wide receiver group. A brand new tight end to play with. The, the running backs are still relatively young, and we're starting a new, new offensive... Scheme, second-year defensive scheme. Now, in the interest of fairness to any Bears, Lions, Vikings, or whoever fans are out there, does that mean the Packers could be an absolute free fall and be a bottom ten, bottom you know, bottom ten offense and defense? Yeah, technically, it can. I would say it's relatively unlikely when you have guys like Aaron Rodgers, David Bakhtiari, Devonte Adams, Brian balaga Corey Lindsley. Uh, Kenny Clark, Mike Daniels, Preston and Zedarius, you know, are going to at least get something. Jair Alexander, Adrian Amos. I mean, there's there's enough people here that you know at several levels. Again, Adrian Amos at safety, Martinez at linebacker, Kenny Clark and Mike Daniels up in the front. Preston and Zedarius, you know, at least to some degree what you're getting. Jair at the cornerback spot, the offensive line, the quarterback, the widers. There There's enough there at every level to at least feel like there's a, a floor. So I'll be fair in saying maybe the team isn't going to get any better. I <sighs> There's a chance they could get worse, but the the, the absolute complete overhaul of this means it's probably going to get better, and it's a question of, you know, worst case scenario, they stay the same, because stay the same in the midst of a complete collapse last year, in which the team was a lot better than what their record actually reflected. They just couldn't put anything on the field. I don't mean their play was better than their record. Their play was trash. I'm talking about, on paper, the the level of of players that they had, was way better than their record. So if we're the same as last year, things are still really messed up. Just by default, the level of talent that this team has, I mean, 10 wins. 10 wins should be, you know, a baseline. And it's just a question of, you know, what are we going to get out of Savage and Gary and Amos? Again, I'm talking in circles, but it it, lots of question marks. So again, insofar as I, I... I can agree with this statement. It's a matter of, I don't know. And I feel like that's sort of the theme. (laughs) I'm hammering it so hard because that's my theme to just about every question. What are we going to get out of Rashawn Gary? I don't know. What is going to happen with these wide receivers? I don't know. I know I'm never going to get a job being the next Stephen A. Smith saying, I don't know, and I should just sit here and scream and and pound my fist and say, you know, Gary's going to be awesome or just go the other route and be some curmudgeon who says this was a terrible pick and I hate everybody. You know, there's probably a lot more fame and notoriety in those two paths but I I just I just want to be honest I I don't know I am I excited yes I am excited I'm excited about the wide receivers I'm excited about the potential of our offensive line I'm excited about this new running scheme and running the ball more and watching Aaron Jones tear up the league I'm excited to see Devontae Adams see if he can take another step to to solidify I know a lot of Packer fans think he's already top five I think he's just outside but I I mean solidify no question you know 1500 yards 12 touchdowns you know, dominant. I, I'm excited to see these corners take a step, and it, as much as I'm excited to see Al- Alexander take a step, I want to see if Jackson can take a step. I want to see if King can take a step. I'm beyond excited to see what we're going to get from Smith and Gary and Smith. I can't wait to see Savage on the field. I can't wait to see Sternberger. I can't wait to see Kingsley Kiki. I'm 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 beyond excited. As as boring and as lame as it sounds to see the guard competition. Think about that. We got Justin McRae, who was a guy that I was I was dragging through the mud for an entire year, until last year when everybody finally caught up. But except he was maybe our best guard on the team. But you got Justin McRae, you got Lane Taylor, you got Billy Turner, and now adding Elton Jenkins. Who's going to be playing where exactly? I I I don't have any doubt that Elton Jenkins. I mean. If, if we just go based on what's supposed to happen, it should be two brand-new guards. You're not going to not play your second-round pick. And given the amount of money we're playing Billy Turner, it should be Elton Jenkins and Billy Turner. But are we really just going to throw Lane Taylor to the? I mean, maybe we got a brand-new head coach. He's not going to come in. He's not Mike McCarthy coming in going, oh, that's my guy. He doesn't have a guy. And hopefully what's going to happen is we're going to have a head coach that comes in and says, listen, Goody, I love you. And I know you did a great job drafting, and I know you spent a lot of money on certain guys, but I'm going to come in here and I'm going to put the two best guys in there. Meaning, if Elton Jenkins and Justin McCray are the best guards, those are our guards. If it's Lane Taylor and Justin McCray, as much as that would make me sick, that's who's going to play. I'm not going to put Billy Turner and Elton Jenkins in there if they're not the best guys because you drafted them high and paid a lot of money. If, if you messed up, you messed up. That's your problem, not mine. I'm going to go out there and try to win football games. But that's, that's who? Oh, and I uh, completely forgot about Mr... Uh, Mr. Cole Madison. Cole Madison's in that mix as well. Cole Madison, Billy Turner, Lane Taylor, Justin McCray, Elton Jenkins. And there's other names, but those are just like the legitimate contenders. Those are the guys where it's if they won the job, I wouldn't be super shocked. Probably not McCray. But again, and I know this, the grades are almost identical and nobody respects PFF's ability to grade offensive linemen, but I, I do respect enough and I also, just from watching last year, I know that I did wasn't as furious with Justin McRae as I was two years ago. I think he did take a step, and I'm willing to, as much as I trashed him a year ago, I'm willing to, you know, give him the credit that he's due. Thought he did a good job. But I tell you what, I'm real excited about the thought of having a guy like McRae and a guy like Taylor as backups, because that's starting to feel like old Green Bay Packers football. When we got a great offensive line, and we got guys that are, you know, up to nearly or, or at starting capacity that are backups. You know, back when we had JC Treader and, and Lane Taylor as our backups. And I hope it happens, man. I, I hope there's a lot of real tough competition, and there should be. That's one of the benefits of having a new coaching staff and a new head coach to come in and say, listen, I don't care what you think you are, you're going to come in here and compete. And it's probably silly to say Aaron Rodgers is going to have to compete because he doesn't. But wide receiver, big time competition. Running back, probably not. But why not? Maybe the different scheme is going to work to somebody else's benefit a little bit more. Tight end competition again. You know, the old Mike McCarthy way is it's. it's McCarthy felt like sort of a uh, like a big union guy. It's the best way I can think to describe it. But it's more like you know, if you've put in your time, you get the job. Or if you were you know drafted higher or whatever the case may be. There's certain people that just have that sort of credibility, and if you have it, you're in. And I, I just I didn't like that. I didn't like that we had guys that were drafted early that weren't good football players, and we had undrafted free agents who were coming in and playing their heart out and were just playing good football. They'd come in for one play, get a great pass breakup, go right back on the bench, and you'd have somebody else come back out. The old Mike McCarthy way, the way that we put respect first, You know, if you think about what's going on with Clay Matthews, hopefully that carries on to the field where it's like, look, respect is great, But how about being a good football player? When I look at this tight end group, I'm saying there's no way Lance Kendricks and Jimmy Graham are going to be, or excuse me, Jimmy Graham and Mercedes Lewis are going to be sitting on the bench while Jay Sternberger's out there running routes. But again, I want to see Tanyan, if if he comes out and he's the one playing his heart, fine, put Tanyan in. I don't care. Just give me the best football player. But who's doing what between Jimmy Graham, Robert Tanyan, Mercedes Lewis, and Jay Sternberger? I think there could be somewhat of a corner battle. What's Tremont's role? What's Josh Jackson's role? Where does Kevin King factor in? What about Tony Brown? What about Kadar Holman, who we just drafted? Safety's probably pretty well squared away with what we've got there with our first-round draft pick that we traded up for in Adrian Amos. But I'm hoping Josh Jones can claw his way into a, a solid role because, again, in our dime situation, we typically have three safeties out there. we got to have a third. Is Josh Jones going to just run away with that job, or is somebody going to challenge him for it? You know, Linebacker, it should be Blake and Oren Burks, but who knows? Ty Summers, James Crawford, who's going to step up? Defensive line, a lot of good football players, but who's going, to be, who's going to be the guy? right? If we've got three, actually that third defensive line spot is going to be interesting. And there's a rotation, fine, but who's going to be the guy? What is the starting, if we're coming out in base, who are the guys we start the football game with? And I know it's probably going to be you know Zadarius or whatever, but I'm talking defensive linemen. Who's the guy? Who's number three? You know, it was Dean Lowry. Is Montrevious going to step up? Is he going to finally take that throne? is Kiki going to step up? Lancaster? Looney? It's just, it's, it just feels like a brand new day. And I hope the all these question marks and having a new coach is going to bring that environment of competition. Get fired up. Because I, I don't think there's a whole lot of things that are just 100% solidified. I mean, the, the whole I don't know theme carries into just the starting depth chart. I, I don't know. I don't know what our offensive line looks like. I don't know who our wide receivers are. I don't know who the you know the, the starting tight ends are going to be. I don't know what the cornerback group is going to look like. I don't know what the, exactly what the defensive line, the linebackers. I don't know. But that's a good thing. Because, again, we've got a lot of very, very, very talented football players. And if it's a matter of the most talented stepping up and winning, and, and again, having that much talent, you know it, it, it's going to benefit because you got somebody nipping at your heels. You want to take your foot off the gas, you're going to lose your job real quick. If Kevin King doesn't want to put up, you know, the amount of effort that is expected of him, Josh Jackson would be more than happy to come out and be number two, and Tremont Williams is more than happy to come out and take that job from him. Same thing with wide receiver. If Geronimo Allison is the guy starting the season with our two wide receiver sets across from Devontae Adams, cool, but he better be playing at a real high level for a real long time because MVS and EQ and Jamon and all these guys they want to come out and they want to take that job from him. That's that's a very 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 good thing. So, anyways. Lots of question marks, but that's not a bad thing. I think in this context, it's a very, very good thing. And I hope they're able to foster that environment and use that kind of level of competition and excitement to really get the best out of these guys. And understand, and I'm sure they do, but really understand and believe, not just say it like it's just a thing that you say. Understand that this can be the best football team in the NFL. Of all the teams that I listed that maybe have a better defense than the, the Packers defense, name one that has a good, good enough offense. The Colts, maybe? I know the Jaguars don't. I know the Bears don't. Patriots, maybe. Texans don't. The Broncos don't. I don't think the Cowboys do. The Ravens definitely don't. The Vikings, I don't think so. Not with that offensive line and running back group. Definitely don't have as good of a quarterback. The Seahawks don't have an offensive line, and they don't have as good enough wide receivers or tight ends or whatever. They've got a good quarterback, so what? So do we. I don't even know if their defense is that good anymore. Eagles? Eh. You know, everybody's sweeping the Packers under the rug. I don't see why. You want to talk about a team that has an elite quarterback, a a great group of guys on defense, and just overall great players from top to bottom? It's hard to compete with the Packers right now. It's just a matter of those guys believing it and coming together and putting it on the field, and there's no reason we can't have a deep playoff push this year. No reason. I don't care what history says, oh, first-year guys, they never blah, blah, blah. I don't... Listen! Listen! It's just football players playing football. History has no bearing on this. It's the reason why records and things that never have happened before happen every single day. Because history has no bearing on the present. It's not forcing anything to happen. If the Packers are the best team, they're going to go on and they're going to win their game. And then if they win enough, they're going to get into the playoffs. And if they're good enough with a solid enough defense and enough consistency and enough heart and enough follow-through, and yes, enough depth to to compensate for all the injuries, they're going to be able to travel all the way to the Super Bowl, and if they're good enough to win in the Super Bowl, guess what? We're going to win a Super Bowl championship, first-year head coach and all. Doubt me. <laughs> I don't know anything, but I know we're going to win a Super Bowl. That's all I know. All right, I'm talking nonsense. Um, you folks enjoy the rest of your Saturday, and I will hopefully be up early enough tomorrow to be able to uh, get this out to you a little bit earlier. Enjoy your day. Talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Uh, bye-bye.